YouTube is better than most think. YouTube really is messed up like really bad, honestly. I think viewers have a incorrect perception of how YouTube is doing and how good YouTube is to its creators. YouTube is fucking amazing, chat. Revenues are really high. It has the best algorithm for content delivery that exists anywhere. It's content delivery system. It can compress videos so well, reducing their size, yet still containing so much detail, and then distributing it within moments all over the world. Uh, from what I've heard from industry people, they are light years ahead of everyone. And that's a significant reason why no one wants to compete with them. Once upon a time, YouTube was like a black box where you couldn't talk to fucking anyone, regardless of how big you were as a creator. Now they have like hundreds of thousands of people whose main job is talking to creators or reviewing content. Their CEO will like frequently call up and talk to YouTubers or will fly them out and specifically say, hey, this is what we're talking about. It's just YouTube is so fucking large. It's billions of users all over the world in endless different languages. There's always going to be things that fall through the cracks. Like from what I've heard, non-English speaking regions don't do as well uh, in terms of communicating with YouTube and all that stuff. Because most people who work at the, you know, higher ups, uh, the area of YouTube are people who speak English and, and have a cultural idea, a Western culture ideas, whatever. So they don't necessarily understand the problems that YouTubers say in India are experiencing. Um, they're less able to uh, flag content or, or bad language and stuff because they're, they're, they're just not as equipped and that will change over the years. I, the reason why I think viewers have a more negative perception of YouTube is because people don't make videos saying, hey, YouTube is doing great. YouTubers did this very good thing for me. YouTube helped me out here. They make videos when things are going really badly or YouTube is fucked up. Like I talked about before, how uh, YouTube's policy on the C word is something that really pisses me off. I, I don't mention though, the last dozen times where I've had a personal representative uh, resubmit my videos to be uh, remonetized or to get specific feedback as to what thing has caused demonetization and uh, how to resolve it. People make a video talking about how this thing fucked up, YouTube sucks, blah, blah, blah. Then when it gets resolved, they don't make another video necessarily. And if they do, it's probably like an update video, like a short thing saying, hey, it actually got resolved. And it gets far fewer views, you know, or maybe they make a community post. They do communicate that potentially. I mean, sometimes they don't, but if, even if they do, it doesn't reach as many people. And like negative things in general go further in, the, in YouTube's algorithm, just in society in general. Uh, negativity gets clicks, gets views. YouTube will also frequently get blamed for copyright issues, which are very hard to deal with for YouTube because they exist in multiple countries with many different laws. It is often the laws themselves that are causing the problems and not YouTube. Like YouTube is a, is a great company and it's uh, in general doing good things. Given I'm from India, the way the most popular of the YouTubers get away with using foul language in their videos, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, YouTube isn't as hard on foul language as they once were. I've talked about this before. I mean, it could be the case that, you know, there are things in Indian video, Indian language videos that uh, should be taken down, but YouTube is not detecting them. But it's also potentially the case, you know, they're intentionally allowing it. Whenever any company has any sort of scandal that leads to them losing a bunch of money and stuff or advertisers or whatever, their business shrinks or whatever, they, they kind of overcorrect in terms of their behaviors. In the circle of things that they can do without getting into legal trouble or social issues or whatever, uh, they shrink back down to the core of what they know they can do and not experience backlash. In YouTube's case, that's what content they learn on the platform. They're like, okay, this core content, no one's gonna be pissed at us for, and that's what we're learning on, on the platform. Anything else 
that's potentially outside of this bubble of what we're, what uh, what is allowed, get rid of it. Fucking get rid of it. We cannot we cannot deal with losing advertisers. We cannot deal with backlash right now. Fucking get rid of it. Demonetize it, remove from the platform, whatever. But then over time, companies benefit from doing the maximum of what they're able to without getting into trouble. So YouTube tests the waters. They're like, okay, we'll allow more swearing. No one's pissed yet, all right? Bit more swearing, maybe a bit more violence, all right? Sexual themes, no one's pissed yet, all right? Swearing throughout video, perfectly fine, but not in the first 30 seconds. Oh, no no one's pissed, all right? Uh, shit and bitch in first 30 seconds is good. Wow, no one's pissed about this yet, all right? And YouTube is gonna keep doing this until eventually they move out of the bubble of what's acceptable, receive a bunch of backlash and have to collapse again. Or if you're optimistic, you can say that YouTube will have learned from past adpocalypses and never cross those boundaries again. They'll get razor close, but never cross over. But who knows, you know? That's why, like, if you look at, like, changes that YouTube makes, like, every six months, it's allowing for more mature themes or, or what have you. I can almost guarantee that within a couple of years, the C word will not be instant cause of demonetization. They'll be like, you can have one C word, depending upon the context, as long as it's not directed at a person, or something like that, you know? Do file names affect your video's success on YouTube? So YouTube's goal as a platform is to feed content to people that they want to see. That's their goal. They want to keep them on the platform. Is the name of a file uploaded to YouTube necessarily indicative of the content within that video? Is it necessarily indicative of how good the video is? The answer is no. So my most successful run of all time was 20190901030115 as a file name. And it's got like 3 million views. My third most popular video is just Pacifist 13. My fifth is again, just a random string of numbers. Carthu Dojo one month ago, just so people aren't writing file title essays on the computer, just know that YouTube fixed this so file names no longer impact SEO. Well, yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. Does uploading less popular content hurt your other videos? I mean, I once had an argument with another content creator, let's not name names, about whether your channel matters for recommendations of content. So you may notice on my channel, for example, I'll upload a really good video next to my rambles, which I know won't be as successful. So I'll upload a video that I know will get 600,000 views, and I'll upload another one that I know will get 60,000. And I don't give a shit. But some people will say, that second video you've uploaded, Matt, has now just fucked your, the rest of your videos. In YouTube's algorithm, it's gonna be like, whoa, this person's uploading shitty videos and he got 60,000 views. I'm gonna recommend his other videos less. And I say to everyone, that doesn't make sense for YouTube to do because YouTube just wants to know what the good videos are. And an unsuccessful video does not imply that another video is bad. A bad video doesn't change the content of a good video. You, the late night channels are the best to show this, right? So 5K views next to two videos with 100K. And you have like the, the actual episodes themselves, 1.4 million, next one, 179. You'll have, see, a million view video, million view video. So this is a channel that uploads both 6K view videos and million view videos. The algorithm seems to, as much as it possibly can, judge each individual video on its own merit. And this benefits new content creators. If reaction content is exploitative, why aren't video game playthroughs? Aren't you just reacting to the game? 
A question, the reaction argument that you said earlier, why wouldn't that apply to video games or playthroughs? There is also multiple people who made the game, for example, GTA 5, and people who are playing that game and making money from it on YouTube, for example, are robbing people who work hard to make the game. I'd be proud that people enjoy a game that I made. I have made some games and tried doing games and be happy to see people playing the games that I did. So there's a few major differences. The first is that uh, a video game is made to be played. You cannot experience the entire thing by watching, watching uh, someone play it. When you use a clip, from a video, you are only taking a part of the value of that video to make something new. When you watch the entire video, you are taking the entirety of the value of that video and using it for your own purposes. No one has any reason to then watch that video because you've taken the entire value. With video games, it is impossible for a video to convey all value that that game can offer. Even if I played it from start to finish and you never blinked and watched the entire thing, you'd play it in a different way. The experience of playing the game will always be different. It's why when influencer marketing became a thing, the first people that jumped on that, or at least in the media sphere, were, were video games. Because it's impossible for a person playing a game to convey all value of that game. It took a while for TV shows to jump on, and what they, get, they do is they make 10 episodes in a TV show, and then they pay a content creator to watch the first two episodes. They, you, you're only using a part of the value of that series, and so it can inspire the audience to then watch the rest of that series. It's like a preview. Another big difference is that if you've ever read the TOS of a video game, it explicitly says you can make this content. Although it does sometimes put restrictions, like for example, cutscene movies are usually against TOS. If you convey the entire story and use all the cutscenes, then that can actually remove all possible value from the game for those who are only interested in the story. So it's consensual making content about video games. Views show YouTube success far more than subscribers. Because views are what matter. Subs is not the metric by which you judge your channel success. And I always go uh, to Boogie to, to show that. <laughs> this guy used to have 5 million subs. So he's got 4 million subs. He's getting uh, 30k views a video. There is a correlation between how many subs you have and how successful you are. But it's not a direct correlation. Because the longer that you're on the platform, the more subs you pick up from dead accounts and people who just never get recommended your videos and don't use the sub feed so they never unsubscribe. Like I'm subbed to 247 channels. I don't watch videos from 247 channels. You gotta go to some efforts to remember, ah oh, yeah, that channel I used to watch a long time ago. I'm still subbed to it, I better unsub. The annoyance of not knowing how others perceive me. It's hard to gauge how people outwardly perceive you when you're not really, really big. When you're really, really big, like you're always doing stuff so uh, that gets other people's attention so they might talk about it. But if a person just, you know, has seen me say something stupid and just doesn't like me, they're not gonna comment about that on stream. It's like, just like, oh, fuck that guy, you know? It'd be disheartening to talk to someone and then be like, I wanna talk to you, fuck you, you know? But when I say that, when I think to myself, how many content creators am I aware of that I have a negative opinion of? How many can I bring to mind? Like two or three? Most people are caught up in their own shit. They're not spending their time going, oh, that fucking YouTuber who I saw like four months ago, I see that fucking thing. Oh, I don't like that guy. Most people, if, if they do have a negative perception with a person, it's like so in passing that if you just talk to them, they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, how's it going? Like you can wash that away with like, like just by saying hello. Here is my life, okay? Now I am live a lot or making content a lot and I don't do much else. So like, here's all of my life that goes onto YouTube, let's say. From the totality, if you were literally behind my eyes, you would develop a certain perception of me, right? If you consumed every one of these chunks of my content, you develop a completely different perception, possibly, of me. I would argue it probably wouldn't be that different because again, I don't do much else in my life, but uh, it'd be different. The average person, the average viewer, isn't watching all these chunks. 
they're like cutting out this bit, they'll watch this bit, they'll watch this bit, they'll watch this bit, they'll watch this bit, they'll watch. Other people will like jump in and take a small chunk and then leave. The perceptions that people are gonna have of me are gonna be very different. Maybe this was like the one moment I was an asshole. And this guy who's just left is like, well, that guy was a fucking asshole. Especially when, in my case, many of the things that I have hit the mainstream for have been negative. So this is, let's say, the stream of all other content. And this little bit goes to here. Everyone in the mainstream is only seeing that small chunk of me. They don't, they don't even fucking care what other content I have. That's all they fucking see. When you meet a person for the first time, you don't know what they've seen. Do they not know you at all? Have they only seen negative things that have been upvoted? Who's talking to them, whatever? If you're fucking crazy, you obsess about that shit. And me, I'm a little bit crazy. Not as crazy though. So I will eventually reach out to other people and ask them if they want to do GTA Guesser. And you know the reason? Because if they say no, who fucking cares? I do care if there are other people out there who have negative opinions of me. There's nothing I can fucking do about that. And the worst thing that can happen if I reach out to someone is that they either ghost me or say no. And nothing about my life changes. Being afraid of that doesn't make sense. How I was treated while younger, and can I even be sure I remember? Sorry if this is too personal, but when you were younger, how were you treated and how has this changed since you became a content creator? Uh, I don't think I was treated well by anyone. No one really said I had any value or that uh, I, could, I could do anything particularly interesting. Uh, the friends I had were not the sort of people you want to be friends with. People who would mock me continuously. I think my entire existence while younger could be summed up in this one interaction. Uh, I was hanging out with a friend of mine at the time, a friend. I just I thought he was a friend and uh, we're perfectly fine. Then other people came over and he would join with them to mock me mercilessly. And I would talk, I talked to him like, what the fuck? Why is it that one-on-one -on -one we're thick as thieves, but the second anyone else is around, you're a complete jerk to me. He's like, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. There'd be like six of us uh, there to play Dota 1. I'm like, yeah, let's just play a three on three. There's six of us and one of them was like, I don't like three on three. And they would just kick me out. I'd message them and be like, hey, you, can, you got a spot, can I play? No one was one. And I knew, I knew these guys, some of them, for decades. I can't think of any happy memories I have with any of them. There's like maybe one or two people that I knew, like, my entire life, that I, uh, I would care what was, they were doing, doing now. It's like what I was saying before about experience, right? So in the moments, your senses are picking up a certain amount of information. While a lot of it's being processed by your brain, only a small fraction of it are you consciously paying attention to. And of the objective reality, obviously your senses don't pick up literally all information out there. Your senses only pick up things that your senses can pick up, obviously. Um, so any flaws in your senses or things that don't get picked up, you aren't picking up either, right? And of that, some portion of it is then put into your brain and you interpret it in a particular way. And your interpretation becomes memory and becomes fact to you. As in, you may interpret a person as being hostile and awful, and that's what your memory of that event will be. It could be the case that this person wasn't hostile at all, but that's your interpretation and that becomes real to you. And then over time, this memory degrades, it gets reinterpreted with new information. Small details, if you remember them at all the first time around, are lost. Like, you probably didn't pay attention to what socks you're wearing. So if you if you think of the scene, you just give yourself a pair of socks. Polly isn't the pair of socks you're wearing, but it's not important, right? And then as you go throughout life, what memories stand out or that you can recall without particular stimulus are biased to your current circumstances. So maybe I want to feel like I was persecuted all my childhood because I don't see any of those people anymore. Maybe a part of me feels guilty about that, that I didn't keep up with them. And so I just paint them as bad people. Maybe I don't want 
to take the time to contact them again. And so I selectively remember the things that make them seem not worth connecting with. It's the problem with memory. Your memories aren't a, a digital image existing for all time. They're things that continually get reinterpreted and changed, given your current experience and your current bias. So when I talk about my past, that's all I'm thinking about. I don't have a lot of distinct memories of my childhood or of my teenage years of going to high school. It's crazy how many years I spent in that high school and so little of it can I remember. I imagine, as I often say, because uh, recognition is easier than recall, if I went to the high school, I'd probably be like, oh yeah, I remember this class, yeah, I remember this class here, but so little of my past seems worth remembering. Obviously it was impactful to who I was today, but who gives a fuck, you know? The grass can be greener, but sometimes it isn't. I don't dislike my life. The, the problems with my life are things that I could work to solve. It'd be uncomfortable, it'd be potentially annoying. It'd take effort, but it's just effort that I don't want to go to, go to do, because I, I want to make as much content as possible. I like the job that I do. In some ways, my heavy workload, my uh, inconsistent sleep and all that, I consider these to be sacrifices I'm taking right now for my future. I won't do it forever. My career can't last forever. I want to, as much as possible, secure my future by making as much content now as I possibly can and ignore basically everything else. It's not the healthiest way to live life. It's not a balanced life. I constantly say that I've got the rest of my life to, you know, get a girlfriend, get married, get a dog, buy a house, all this stuff. But sometimes I sit down, I can almost feel the time just flowing away from me. I'm getting older. I mean, it's a lot harder dating in your 30s, especially with limited dating experience. But I find so much satisfaction and joy out of what I do that a part of me isn't convinced that I want that other stuff anyway. When you haven't experienced love, or marriage, all that jazz, it's hard to know the value of it compared to what you already have. The grass can always be greener. You can't get worked up chasing the greener pasture, the always greener pasture, always greener, always greener. Sometimes you have to realize that sure, maybe the next pasture would be greener, but maybe the pasture you have is perfectly green enough. Maybe the next pasture isn't gonna be greener. Maybe you should stay in the pasture that you have. Change isn't always good. Things are going well for me, and therefore, even when I see certain detriments in what I'm doing and what is going for me, fixing them would jeopardize what I already have to varying degrees. And the potential upsides of that jeopardizing what I already have are unknown, so I don't do it. We humans dwell and live in familiarity. Change is what frightens us, but bold and courageous are the ones to accept it. In life and with content, people like things that are similar but different. People don't want things to stay perfectly the same. They want things to be familiar, but a little bit different. And that's the content that does the best, especially if you're trying to branch out. You go, okay, what's working for me now? What can I change ever so slightly to make it feel fresh? You live in the same house, you get bored of it, you know, you feel better just moving the stuff around. Maybe get a different scent and it all feels new and wonderful. Same house, same house that you love, familiar, but a little bit different, it's good. Regressing nothing because it made you who you are. To be honest, I regret nothing in my life because I believe if I changed anything in the past, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I wouldn't be the same person and therefore I have nothing to regret. Depends how you see identity, I suppose. If you believe yourself to be uh, the culmination of those particular set of experiences leading up to you right now, yeah, if you changed one of those, that would be a different person. 
but that person would equally say the same statement. So effectively, it's like by that logic, regret can never make sense because the only way you could really regret something that happened in the past is if you wanted to die. Regardless how bad your past was, if it's changed ever so slightly, the you that exists would no longer exist. Upcoming improvements to my merch, which maybe by the time you watch this video have already been done, so check out my merch down below. So these are the emotes that are currently on stuff. So this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one were from my first attempts to make merch. I had my original emotes upscaled and redrawn and filled in, so the hats there and all that stuff. And I tried to make merch on Streamlabs, but it was so amazingly slow. Every single emote took like 50 minutes to upload. It was the most painful experience of my entire life. It, it, my it, I, I cannot express how bad the Streamlabs merch is. And so these just sat here and they never ended up on any merch. But when I moved to Stream Elements, they were willing to help me out, add the stuff for me as long as I gave them the, the merch stuff. And so these went end up on ended up on shirts. These were made by Kara. So what Kara did is she upload, uh, she upscaled my normal emotes and then like colored them to make sure there wasn't any imperfections. See like there's a smudge here that kind of goes out like this and there's like a little bump here and here. And if you look very closely with the blacks, like there's a little bit of uh, weird coloring because the upscaling isn't perfect. Some of them are far worse, some of them are far better. So they need like small little touch-ups there. Look, I'll look at these smudges here. Look at these smudges. Kara upscaled them and is fixing these small little imperfections. And so those are the ones that have been done. Over time, Kara will do the rest as well. So all of these will hopefully end up on merch eventually. Maybe not all of them, but it's 96 of them, but. Drawing emotes is harder than it seems. I'm pushing a friend into drawing emotes, so sad seeing him let his drawing talent go wasted. Drawing emotes is harder than you think. There's an art to making something really small that looks good and is very expressive that not all artists are suited to do. I mean, they can probably learn. I mean, don't get me wrong. But like, if you take a person who's used to painting and all that jazz and drawing cool bits of arts, if you ask them then to make an emote, they, in many cases, try to make a smaller version of what they already make. Uh, and it just looks terrible because it's, it's too detailed, you know? Why it is hard to find good editors. Is it hard to find a decent editor? Yes. It's one of those things where not a lot of people are in a position to edit a lot of videos to get to the point where they're good. We all suck at editing when we first begin. And not everyone edits in a style that's suited to all types of content or to the tastes of the content creator themselves. I mean, Martin was the first editor that I picked up. It was years ago. The level of skill that Martin had when we first begun, I'd probably reject him today. The level of skill that I had when I first begun, if I took my, if I was a duplicate of myself from two years ago and I submitted to edit for me, I would reject myself because the standards have improved. I've improved because of my editors and my editors who've been with me a long time have improved as well. We've all grown and therefore the standards have improved. I've, I've met people and I've looked at their stuff and I've gone, yeah, if you edited for like another year, you'd be, you'd be exactly what I want, <laughs> but I don't have a year, you know? And a lot of the time it's hard. It's like what I was talking about before. Trying to get other editors has taught me that certain things that I consider to be like instinctive or the only way to do something is not the way that everyone does it. You think no one could fail this and then you give them something and they fail and you're like, how? Like you're just so baffled. Working for a long time with someone, you get used to what you have to Oh, that's also another thing, certainly. It's much easier to create something that a person will like if you've been editing with them for a very long time. But as I say, both me and Bob over the last two years have made 
endless, endless videos. And therefore, we're both going to get better. You know, the standard is a little higher. And so finding a person who has effectively done those years of development, just not with me, is hard. <laughs> Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.